0: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably, like getting grade ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time. Whether you know, there's two types of turds: you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're we're we are about players and players playing the plays, and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, very happy to have Brady Oldmans on the podcast. Brady, hello. How are you?
1: Doing well, doing well. It got a little cold today here in Lincoln, but you know, uh, it's football weather. How How, how is it uh, over there, man?
0: It was like 68 degrees today. Um, we, we, I, we've reached the time of year where like I should be able to wear sweatpants and a hoodie to the gym and be fine. And I had to wear shorts today. It's not going to be too hot. And like, my wife is insane. She turned the heater on this morning. She's sitting right next to me, so she's gonna hear this. She turned the <laughs> heater on this morning, and I walk outside, and it's almost 70 degrees and sunny with no wind. And I'm like, this is this is this is November 10th. We're recording this on a Thursday, November 10th, and we can't get uh, like sub 60 weather. I saw a, a TikTok video of a guy in Raleigh that was just it was just a a screenshot of the weather app on his phone, Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was like 75, 78 or something and he's just screaming he's like <laughs> just like that unintelligible
1: screaming like
0: can we have colder
1: weather please <laughs> yeah like everybody I envy compl- you. <laughs> everybody complaining about the election results on Tuesday say what about the future well it's 70 degrees in a lot of places in the midwest on November 10th i got bad news for the future for you here all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have a, I have
0: effectively um, weeded all of that stuff out of my social media um, it's it's basically sports or children getting hurt at this point
1: yeah well it's um, it's it's the double-edged sword of still having a lot of friends who work at you know legacy newspapers and they're some of them have to hop in on election night coverage and thankfully for the most part I stayed away from all of that this week focusing on you know game prep but the timeline was, was really popping. Does
0: that make me sound like a bad person? Should I, <laughs> should I be sharing that publicly? That I, I, I get amusement in
1: videos of children like getting knocked down or like tripping and falling or things like that? I absolutely, because I certainly do not have that on my TikTok algorithm. So shame on you, sir. And have, and I will oppose that uh, far beyond reprieve or any sort of combination or checking on my own <laughs> uh, enjoyment for it.
0: I send these videos, these occasional videos to my family in the group chat that we have. And I get responses back from my mother, mostly to the effect of like, you're never going to have a child because they're going to get hurt. And instead of checking on them, you're just going to be laughing at them. And I was like, yeah, probably, probably (laughs) we'll have, we'll have a, a few minutes of laughter. And then after, you know, after it's, it's obvious that they're crying and they're in pain and they're not getting back up, then we'll go check on them. But there needs to be a few minutes of laughter first. Um, we're not having that on Saturdays. We're not getting that on Saturdays. It's just a lot of pain, just a lot of crying. Um, Nebraska lost last week to Minnesota 20-13. to 13. I want to talk to you specifically about kind of what's going on with the quarterback position. Um, you have something on – again, we're recording this on Thursday. You have something on Hale Varsity. Today, Casey Thompson is not going to be available for Michigan the backup is a game time decision? Like they're going to
1: take it right up to game time as to who that player will be? Do I have this correct? Yeah, yeah. I think um, at the end of last week and even on Tuesday in Mickey uh, Joseph's Presser, he kind of said hey look, we we look at guys and evaluate them based on practice but obviously Chubba Purdy was the guy excelling in practice and Logan wasn't as consistent in practice in the lead up to last week and and that didn't really work out. Um, mm. it, you know, Chuba hit that after the scripted plays kind of just didn't didn't really hit with that consistency. And Logan came on and obviously was more consistent. So I think they're taking they're they're looking at things during practice, but also. Mickey said, yeah, we have to take the game performance into consideration because you don't get graded on practice, you get graded on the games and that's what matters. So I think they're, they're waiting to see kind of how it goes. Um, I think coaches, coaches were looking for that consistency out of Logan Smothers. He is the quote unquote gamer, you know, guy that steps up his game come, you know, spotlight time, but the spotlight's going to burn really bright for both of those guys um, on Saturday. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see who who kind of rises up in the lead up to, to the game time and who they want to ride with out the gates.
0: I mean, it becomes very interesting because, like, look, it's not going to be a good day. Like, let's just, yeah. you know, let's just call a spade a spade. Like, Michigan is a, is a potential playoff team. Nebraska is not that and far from it. So it's not going to... And it's, you know, it's there. It's not going to be a good day. Um, so, like... I guess I when you you can give me your knee jerk reaction to this if you want to what your knee jerk reaction was watching this game live or you know like if you if you watched it back a second time checked out the TV broadcast replayed things like that and your your viewpoint on it changed go with that what I guess what was the takeaway from the quarterback split in the Minnesota game so Nebraska throws for 121 Passing yards, just not good. Um, I got the stats out. Chuba Purdy goes six for sixteen for forty-one yards and an interception. Logan Smellers goes five for ten for eighty yards. Logan obviously has the rushing element to his game. We know he's a speedster, uh, but Chuba had six carries for twenty-four yards and a touchdown. Um, that 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 first score uh, where he kind of comes off, peels off the side. I, I guess. What was your takeaway from the quarterback play? Was it? You know, there's a there's a definitive number two you go with if Casey Thompson isn't available, or or was it one of those situations where you came away from this feeling like, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why they haven't named a guy yet.
1: Um, I don't know. It's it's really difficult because like Chuba Purdy I was dealing with his own injuries. You know, uh, when he came on for Casey in the Illinois game and stepped up, and it's just tough to. It's especially tough to just throw guys into a situation where like Mark Whipple, being in his first year as offensive coordinator, he has his system with a capital S system and it takes time. He's reiterated it takes time and the statistics show it did take time to build even when Kenny Pickett was the three-year starter there and all of Whipple's three years there. Now, of course, it helps to have a Heisman candidate quarterback for three years to run with that system. So, I kind of feel bad for Purdy and Smothers to be thrown into a situation like that when obviously the best way to get a jump start on that system is to give your number one guy the utmost amount of reps that you can. So, but you also know that it's football and injuries can happen. So, you've got to, you know, you've got to allocate some of those reps as best you can. Uh, My main takeaway coming back was Chubba just, he looked good in the script but when it came time to feeling the game out, he looked lost. Um, They brought Logan in for that one drive um, to spread or to break things up and his three and out drive ended on a drop ball uh, from Ollie Martin over the middle and Nebraska receivers did have an issue with that. And I asked, I think it was, it was Elante and Pre. No, who did I ask afterwards? Um, I think it might have been Marcus of, you know, does it look different coming out of Chubba's hands or Logan's hands versus how a, a ball looks different coming out of Casey's hands? Because there were kind of an uncharacteristic amount of drops in that game. He said, no, they, they deliver the same looking footballs. We have confidence that, you know, um, everyone can step up and do it. So I don't... I mean, based on game scenario... You've got to go with Logan because he performed much better than than Chuba did. But also, at what point do you get guys reps knowing that they might be, you know, building for next year or building for a future, um, even when every because everything this year is kind of I don't up in the air. Um, just based well, yeah, on I mean, where this the is programs. What, this at. is
0: what Aaron and I talked about on the podcast last week. Is they have no incentive to do that. This coaching staff has no incentive to. To say well you know this guy's not like like I imagine coaches just hate the concept of a gamer the player that doesn't necessarily practice super well throughout the week and then you know it is it comes into the game on a Saturday and and leads fans to be like well why the hell was this guy not on the field in the first place I imagine coaches just hate that um, oh, yeah. but that's definitely a thing and I, you know I would hate it personally, but I like this is what so this is what Aaron and I talked about last week is there's no incentive to play Logan if they feel like Chaba gives them a better opportunity to win now. It, whereas Logan would be like, you're building him for the future. Like, right, Mickey's trying to keep this job, like, yeah, he's trying to not have to move again. Um, Whipple's trying to not have to move again, like, these guys like want to win so that they have something that they can present to whoever the next guy is and say, hey, let, let's uh, try to make this work. Let's stick around here. Um, I, had an, I had an ACC friend who I was kind of chatting back and forth with after this, this Minnesota loss, and he was like, so Whipple is getting shredded on Twitter after okay. this game. Um, Pitt is 5-4. and four. Might turn out that, that Kenny Pickett was just a lot better than we all thought he was, and uh, Pat Narduzzi and Mark Whipple just kind of lucked into a really good Kenny Pickett year. That might be what it, just what, what happened.
1: It, Jordan Addison helps with that too. Yeah, you know? I there was. Uh, but even I, then, I
0: mean, it's, he's not having a tremendous season at USC. I mean, he's been hurt a couple of weeks, but it's not like he's you know a barnstormer
1: in USC's offense. No, no, that's fair. And I, I, I joked with Aaron um, and a, you know a couple of other people after after Mickey Joseph's repeated "we need to run the ball more" comments and stuff like that. we like, I just imagine like the head, like an, a Macy's Day Parade balloon-sized head of Pat Narduzzi's, you know, eyes just peek over South <laughs> Stadium
0: and just stare.
1: <laughs> somebody, somebody sent,
0: somebody took that soundbite and sent it to Pat Narduzzi and people. On The other side of the football offices, hear him just yelling, Yes, finally, that- <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> meant, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So, so, like, I guess you know, I kind of alluded to it. There was a lot of people that were upset with the management of the quarterback position in the Minnesota game. Were you
1: among them? <sighs> I think. I think it's really easy in hindsight to say, you know, Chuba lost vision of the game. I think maybe you want to give him two drives in the second half to kind of keep things going. That way, he give him a chance um, with all the halftime adjustments and everything you make, and kind of go from there. I, but what it's it's one of those things where like you you see the diminished decline, and you're like, okay, well maybe he might with the repetitions he might see something and then that last three and out with that interception is just i mean it looked like it was the punt pass kick competition he looked like there was there was no urgency it was it was really like it was a practice rep but not like a full speed practice rep it was just like a a limp wristed um like it was tuesday se- you know senior shopping day at target and in the wee hours of the morning. And you've got to pull him after that. You know, you've, you you can't allow a guy like that to play in a Power 5 football game, in a Big Ten football game, if he's going to throw a ball like that. Um, and I think we saw afterwards that there, and we saw throughout the week in the evaluation of Casey Thompson, is that there are really butting heads between Mickey Joseph's approach to quarterbacking and Mark Whipple's approach to quarterbacking, if in no other place than personnel. And Mark Whipple seemed a little bit more optimistic. Casey could go this week, and Mickey, even with his long history of Casey Thompson and how much, how well he knows the kid and everything, just didn't feel comfortable putting him out on the field against Michigan. So it's I, I, I know there are some people who think that Mickey might have taken himself out of consideration for the head coaching job based upon that you know quarterback um, decisions against Minnesota. I definitely think he didn't help himself, but I think that that's one of the mistakes or one of the situations he gets in once and swears to never do again. That's one of the things I think he's going to be more aware of now. So,
0: okay, let's just go there next because I was gonna—I w- I wanted to talk to you about that. They've lost three straight. They've got Michigan now. I mean, if you because there have been mistakes and there have been, there's there's been sort of the, and I don't want to say that this represents the entire fan base because I know that it doesn't, but there's been the loud contingent on social media that says that, you know, some of these things that we've seen have been signs that, okay, this Mickey's just not ready for the, the head coaching job. Mickey's not ready for that, that step in, in his career. Um, however warranted that might be, that is a narrative that is out there. So if Nebraska after firing Frost just a handful of games into the season and gives itself this huge, long runway to sort of do its due diligence, go after a guy, find a guy. There was a lot of speculation last week and a lot of noise that it was going to be Mickey. If it ends up being Mickey, even if like it turns out to be a good hire like five years down the road, which, again, possible, it would be one of those situations where I think Nebraska would just get killed again. From a perception standpoint, and I don't know if it's like, can you can you operate out of fear of like, well, what's the perception of this going to be? Like, is that a is that something that Trev can can legitimately do at this point? I, I, don't, or does he have to just say, I don't care. We're going to do what I think is best.
1: I, feel, in in how he's talked about the job, it really seems like he's he's like, sure, it would be great to win the the press release, but it's the best for all intents and purposes to get the right person in. Now, I think from a fan perspective, they care far more about that national recognition than they would ever lead on. That's partially why when game or big noon Saturday came to Lincoln for the Oklahoma game and Urban Meyer was on campus, so many more people were screaming for Urban because that means legitimacy. He won national championships. He's a big name. If he comes to Nebraska, immediately Nebraska's a contender again even for all the baggage and everything that he brings along with you and partially why, in addition to a multitude of other things, I don't think why he would have really actually been seriously considered for the job was that. And now I think they've given, I think Mickey is seriously considered for the job. I'm not sure if he's still a finalist going forward, but I will give Trev and the athletic department a lot of credit in how they've handled this. They've treated Mickey with a lot of respect throughout this. Even if he is not the guy, they have done this coaching operation with to where he is best situated if he were to get a head coaching job elsewhere and elevate himself while also representing Nebraska and selling Nebraska well on the recruiting trail and things like that. Um, but it's... I, I think they are at the point where they would love to get a national name. They'd love to pull somebody, you know, a blockbuster signing or, or whatever. But the reality is, is Husker fans are going to complain um, about whoever it is, or they'll find the contrarian take about why this person's actually bad for this job. But the best thing Mickey Joseph can do under his own control as he has admitted, he can't make them offer him the job, is to be invaluable. And he's definitely proven his value at the University of Nebraska in a lot of ways. And I give him a lot of leeway because he's done his best to work with the staff that he didn't choose there and do the best to see through this season. Um, but I don't... I also just tend to think maybe he... Maybe it's, maybe it's not going to be him because the job is too, too high or up, up on a higher pedestal at this point. Is it because that's kind of you know that's kind of what I've been thinking about.
0: Is it one of those like this is a big job, this is a big job, this is a big program, this is a blue blood school, regardless of what people want to tell you about what has happened recently. This is a blue blood program in college football. Um, so if you're, you know, there's an optics piece to this where if you go through an entire season or close to an entire season with an with an interim coach, presumably. Conducting a coaching search on the back end, and then you come out of that search and come out of that season, and the season goes poorly, which it, it looks like. I mean, three straight losses. Michigan coming up. It looks like it's not going to be not going to be good. Um, and you uh, go ahead and just replace the or, or take off the interim tag of the coach. Like there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be upset with that. And you know, it's just one of those things where I think. It gets really, it gets really interesting because I don't think that that's something that Nebraska should have to concern itself with, but it is because of the stature of the job, and you have to worry about optics. Now, I, I would say that there are a handful of people that they could hire, who, I don't think anybody would, I don't think anybody would say anything bad about, like. I bet if Trev Alberts came out tomorrow and said, we're hiring Dave Aranda, there would be universal cheering. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody would be uh, annoyed by that. If he came out tomorrow and said, the job is Mickey's, it's his, I think there would be a real split in the fan base. Yeah, And it's one of those things where, like, with with what happened with Frost and how high it began and how low it ended – it's just like a reminder that these things are just crapshoots. You, you don't know. You don't, you don't, you just really don't know um, what, you know, how a guy is going to turn out.
1: I don't know. I'm just kind of talking in circles. No, no. I mean, it is, that is the great unknown. Uh, there are about five names that I've heard, you know, circling the drain right now. Uh, but the reality is, and the reality is, Treb might have already made the hire. They've, they've done a really good job of containing this search down. But in reality... Brady,
0: breaking news on the podcast?
1: I'm. This isn't me as Brady the reporter. This is me as Brady looking at this, um, not even just from what I've heard, but just in how they've operated with this. Again, to Trev Alberts' credit, they've really kept this thing tight, or tight and quiet to where whoever in all likelihood it is an outside hire um if and obviously it's not if it's not mickey joseph it will be a head coach who is likely coaching football right now and you want to be the you want to do the best for that coach and that in their current team and the university that they're at now to keep it quiet until after the regular season or even after the conference championship games if they are playing for a conference championship now i'm in the camp that if it is mickey do you, do you would you would like to think that you announce it after Wisconsin or maybe announce it after Michigan because get that fan fever back in the stadium to end the you know Wisconsin last home game of the season keep that fan fever up of like, okay, we've got our guy rally behind it. No more uncertainty. This is, this is the head football coach. Or you, you do, you announce that before the last game so that you've, you rally the fan base to travel to Iowa city, no more uncertainty. And recruits and transfers can, can see what you are as a program. Um, I'm, but in all likelihood, like we've talked about, if it's an outside guy, it's just going to be another month-long wait for Husker fans, and they don't really like waiting so much. <laughs> I need – um, I need, uh, Cam, I need you to clip,
0: do some creative editing and clip the, like, two seconds where Brady says Trev has already made the hire. i going to use that as the tease on social for this podcast. This is going to be the most listened-to podcast uh, ever. Yeah. Um,
1: Suit <laughs> the numbers up, baby. <laughs>
0: I saw this, and I guess I'm going to bring a little bit of legitimacy to it by asking you the question, but I I saw this. Should Mickey have dismissed Whipple after the Minnesota loss?
1: I think it's really – at the baseline, that's not who Mickey is. Mickey Joseph isn't going to throw anybody under the bus at any point. He knows that that's just not – that's not the kind of guy he is. That's not how he well, does he, business. He dismissed Shenander after the – the ou game I,
0: to be clear i don't think you should have but yeah. I, I have seen this and he has you know he he dismissed the defensive coordinator
1: yeah i because th- I, I did think about this do you let whipple go because it's obviously been proven it's uh it's a powder keg um within not not even a habitual smoker just uh you know once after three drinks smoker walking around a fireworks store you know like you don't know when they're gonna have like bring the combustible elements to make something pop you know um and and you want more consistency shoot even scott frost said he wanted more consistency out of the offense i think that's part of the thing of what happens when Uh, a certain number of staff members get brought in for a first year for the sole purpose of saving one guy's job is when it doesn't work out now you're left scrambling like what's happening and and obviously Janander is gone and that's helped in the defense but at this point with the offense and all that goes into it and I know Mickey kind of leaned on Mark Whipple at certain points for coaching advice obviously Whipple's been a head coach before at the college level and then coordinator position all over in college and in the nfl i wonder if that might have played a part into it but i also wonder how much is it of we don't have time to go bring in a new interim offensive coordinator or promote somebody and then promote from within to fill their spot with four games left in the season i mean it would it would have really sent a message that hey i want to be as competitive as we can be right now but from a logistic standpoint what's what big difference does that make? Especially when the team is like, we've done all this work for a first year to set up a new system for eight months and then you, you knock the Lego set down or there goes the Jenga game after eight months of play.
0: Yeah, I think you um, you were the one that said this on this podcast like a month or two ago where you were like, you can get into the game of firing and promoting from within, but like it becomes a situation where what if the guys that you're promoting into these positions simply because you want to get the guy that's currently in the role out of the role what if the guys that you're bringing up to that role aren't ready for it and they're yeah. just there because you know you wanted the you wanted the the other guy out like nebraska doesn't have a bill bush like the de- the defensive situation was different nebraska doesn't have a bill bush on staff that can take over as the offensive coordinator
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd be very curious to see what Brian Applewhite would do as offensive coordinator, but there's no guarantee that that works out, you know, for the best. I don't know what his system works. I'm I'm sure that would involve more handoffs, him being a running back coach. I'm I'm willing to bet that that would be the case, but we don't know what that looks like. And this is the Big Ten. This is Power 5 football against, sometimes you will play a college football playoff contender. You need to be 100% on point. You can't have like coordinators trying to ply wood up the walls because you're going to have a hurricane every single Saturday.
0: It is interesting that Anthony Grant has 115 yards rushing while the passing attack is just completely non-existent. Um, and Nebraska gets back Gabe Irvin this week. You were writing about this. So they would have Grant Irvin, Ramir
1: Johnson and one other player whose name I'm.
0: Uh, Yant. Yant, Yant. Yant.
1: Yeah. Which I'm curious. He didn't really play that much last week. Um, but I know he was suited up and he's feeling fine. Practice fine, but he didn't get a whole lot of reps against Minnesota. Do you
0: think that this is a situation where they try to shorten the game, use smothers, and have a sort of a run-focused game plan? I mean, it's not really who Whipple is, but it, you know, if you're—that's like the you know the kind of go-to for a a big underdog against a, a really high-powered team. I mean, Michigan is not going to you know. Push the tempo in any way; they're they're more of a churn it out style as well. But uh, you know that's certainly like that's certainly an option, and Nebraska has has shown that it has a, a pretty you know that pretty decent stable of backs to kind of work with. Do you do you see that as a as a viable path for them this
1: weekend? I think if Mark Whipple is not the offensive coordinator, a, a thousand percent that's what they would do, um, because I know um, Mickey reiterated that. Um, on Thursday, in his presser, of like, we need to slow the game down. And the top thing he said when asked about what's the biggest thing that, you know, Chubb or Logan can do to prepare themselves for the game, he said, number one thing is hand the ball off. That's what you got to do. We got to slow the game down. And again, he's, I, I, I tend to think he's he's steering those directions to an audience of one because Mark Whipple again this week said, Well, I mean, you can be physical, but the object to score more points, we got to score more points. And I look forward to five straight passes to open the game. I, I just, I'm, I marveled at the thought of that, like fatherhood logic of like, what's you know, like, can we, can we go, can we go, you know, like we'll pull over when I say we'll pull over, you know, kind of thing. It just, I. The, the cognitive dissonance between the two has been really fascinating and it's been really interesting to see how they interact, which kind of you know leads into where they come from different aspects on the quarterback situation. Is Casey healthy? Is it Logan? Is it Chubba? It's just it's been really fascinating to watch. And it's funny because this
0: is what we you know this is what we kind of keyed in on and you and I talked about this before the season is how the interplay between Frost style and Whipple's style would would sort of work. Would it not work? Would it mesh? Would it not? Um, and then the frost piece of it was kind of thrown out the door pretty quickly. But um, you know, Mickey's out here saying, "Hey, let's—we got to hand the football off." That's just not Whipple's M.O. So you know, there, there's very clearly conversations that happen, you know, in their game plan room where I would imagine that that guys are going back and forth saying, "Hey, we should run the ball more. We should run it more."
1: Yeah, and I'm sure that the players feel that way. I mean, I'm sure that the offensive line, I'm sure if you ask AG and Yant and Ramir, should we run the ball more? They'd say, absolutely, we should. I, and if you ask the fans, they say you should run the ball more. Um, I just think it's, it is really fascinating because... Even and if you watch the NFL, the game is slowly trending away from, you know, the conventional handoff and just flip it out and give it to receivers and everything. And I think you kind of see that a little bit in Whipple's offense. So I don't, but it's, but this is the big 10 and you've got to be able to just line up and grind it out for three, four yards of carry. So it's, It's easy easy to say in hindsight that Nebraska might not have wanted to go with Mark Whipple, but um, far be it for me to uh, critique a head football coach who is no longer in that position right now. Anytime I hear – so,
0: this is completely switching gears. Anytime I hear that, hey, this is the Big Ten, you've got to be able to run the football, I just think about two years from now, UCLA is coming to Northwestern for a November game. (laughs) They're going to try to run this spread, up-tempo system with Chip Kelly. Yeah, and it's just going to be incredible. It's just going to be I cannot wait for them to get to the Big 10 so that we can see like it's it's the frost thing of like that I think they're going to have to adjust for us. Which is going to which are, is it going to take 5 years for UCLA to figure out, "Hey, we actually have to figure out how to run the football power at people?" Or is it going to be a situation where they
1: come in and they're like,
0: "Yeah, we're pretty good. We're pretty good. Northwestern
1: kind of sucks." I'm I, I was I'm glad you said Northwestern because the other day I, I thought about that and I was like, cause Chip Kelly was like, he had looked like his day had dawned, you know, or like he had sunset on UCLA. And then all of a sudden they're resurgent and they look great. And I thought- You know why? You know why? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. You know why? Yeah, go this on. Is something,
0: this is something that you talked about off pod. So I'm, it's, I'm gonna give you a little segue to get into it if you want to. They are a veteran team up front. The best teams on the Pac-12 right now have very, very, very old offensive lines.
1: And that's – you've got to – you've got to build that. And that's just something – Nebraska's got 11 seniors and two, three of them are on the offensive line. The biggest contributors are on the offensive line. Um, It's just – it's really – Fascinating to see because that's something Minnesota does well. It's something Michigan does well. It's something that Purdue has done well. And you point to big physical teams with veteran leadership and guys that know how to manage a game. It, and and Mickey Joseph reiterated it in the Tuesday's press conference of don't, we've we. It goes back to recruiting. You've got to get recruits, sure, but keeping them in the system works. You've got to develop these kids. It, it does them really no good if you're not developing them and and you just bring in somebody. I mean, crying out loud, look at look at O'Shawn Mathis. I thought that was a killer get in the portal, even to, you know, Casey, to a, a certain extent, Marcus Washington, um, Anthony Grant was the top running back out of junior college. And Anthony Grant has looked great, but each one of them has looked great at points, but not not filling the mold or not filling the reputation that was sold for them, because I think at a certain point that development stopped happening. You're just you're here to win games now, and it's not investing in a system in multiple years in that system to to build up and to coach up and get these guys, you know, to fill that mold and that potential, that upside, and like Justin Jeffries and George Justin Jefferson wasn't that like highly touted of a recruit, but Mickey Joseph was on the recruiting trail and says, I can do something with this guy or these guys got game. And now they're in the NFL tearing it up. You do that because you see the potential, you work with that kid, you sell the kid on the program, you sell the kid on the process and you bring them in and you coach them up. Again, to Mickey Joseph's credit, he has shown he is invaluable to Nebraska because he's getting recruits like that. And this is just year one. Like he's recruiting, you know, 2024, 25 and inviting 26 kids into Nebraska to say, hey, look, come here, we're going to do this. I, I just don't I don't think that the previous coaching staff had that kind of long term view or even anything beyond a uh, first uh, immediate view partially because i think when changes were made in january it was because well i've got to at least coach well enough this year to save my job and then we'll take care of next year next year mm-hmm.
0: yep yeah unfortunately yep there was a moment um during last last weekend's game where i'm watching anthony grant run and i'm like there just feels like another player that has been wasted Another player that could have been, this is turning into a very, keeps, I like, I need Nebraska to start winning. Or like, I need Nebraska, because I would like to talk about some positive stuff. Um, but I was just like, it like, feels like another player that has just been, uh, like, we could have gotten more out of this guy in his but time in Nebraska.
1: After the first, I think it was four games, or maybe it was even like after North Dakota. Um, I remember like, watching Anthony Graham from the press box and saying he, he moves like a surfer. Like the, the, the waves of the defense will come at him, but he doesn't fight it, he rolls with it, he uses his momentum to always move forward. It's like his hips are always moving forward, but his shoulders can, will kind of pivot around to wherever they need to be to lean forward to get that extra yardage or stay on his feet and move. He, he doesn't disrupt rhythm, he runs with it. He goes fluid in motion and he's such a dangerous runner. So what's the best thing for him? Bring in an offensive coordinator that throws it, you know, three out of four downs. That's great. We'll do that. Um, although, I mean, to be fair, Nebraska is about middle of the road in terms of like run versus pass play selection. So it's it's just the way that college football is going. But I think you're right. This is a guy where if you bring him in 10 years ago, I think Nebraska fans are just salivating and thinking like, Abdullah, Grant, let's go, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I'll be um, This is, uh,
0: you know, this doesn't. How do I want to say this? The Husker hex is still alive,
1: so it's, it's we bad. could we <laughs> could
0: uh, we could take some solace in knowing uh, that if Michigan emerges from this weekend victorious, let's knock on wood that there's nothing else that happens in the tunnel after the game. Um, that that would mean that Michigan is out of the college ball playoff picture. Yeah. So.
1: Just... <laughs> good for I... Nebraska for for clearing that up. It, Nebraska, you might laugh at them, but they take everything out of you. I swear. are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna.
0: We're gonna end uh, Michigan's college football playoff run after a win, which would be uh, which would be something.
1: It's just – I think it just – it's a fun, quirky thing, but I think it just underlines what an incredibly weird season this has been for Nebraska. I mean, like, it goes to show, like, granted, Nebraska doesn't really have any power over what happens to its opponents after they play, but it's just one of those oddities Yes, where, they like, do. Well, yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Osborne's hitting the voodoo doll in his it's, office.
0: No, it's, it's uh, Little Red underneath <laughs> the –
1: The stadium in his little cage underneath the field. It's a little red. Oh man, yeah. When you open up that door and you just see a dozen little red eyes just staring back at you. (laughs) But I, I don't know. I'm also kind of. There's so many weird things and like the weird bad luck and the weird situations Nebraska put itself in over the last couple years. I've, at a certain point, I, I almost chalk some of it up to just this is the penance Nebraska fans are paying for three. Four decades of Nebraska of Husker football dominance, mm-hmm. or one of the premier dynasties across five decades. Um, this is your cross to bear now. Congratulations. I, I mean,
0: you know, if if the college football gods are fair, then that means Alabama might actually implode as a athletic
1: department in what ten years, twenty years. Well, ask ask Bama fans when when Saban retires. They are very nervous for that day because what do you how do you follow that up Jimbo Fisher <laughs> Oh oh man I would at this point I would I would probably actually pay some of my hard-earned money to see a 5 win Alabama season just to see what that looks like <laughs> cuz I mean I haven't looked at oil futures lately, but I know that it's looking a lot better for them. They'd, they'd still
0: the be ranked. <laughs> they'd still be ranked. A they'd fringe, be sitting there at number 24.
1: Yeah, a fringe playoff team, you know, just to see, because they're, they're on the come up. You, know, you don't really know when they can just burst out and show you something.
0: It is wild that after Alabama lost um, this past weekend, there was, there was a, a, a sweeping narrative that, okay, Alabama's college football playoff hopes are done. No, they're not. No, they're not. Let's be real here. It's Alabama. If there's a two-loss team that makes it into the College Football Playoff, because we haven't had a two-loss team yet, make it. If there was a team that's going to make it, it's going to be Alabama with Bryce Young. This is not a good football team, and they should not still be ranked in the top ten. But they are because of the name of the program. Yeah. And uh, you know, <laughs> if uh, you know the Husker Hex is alive and well, Michigan's going to get knocked out of it. Maybe they beat Ohio State later. I don't. You know, we'll see. Um, and knock Ohio State out of it. Like Alabama's right there. Why not put Alabama in?
1: Man, it's but it is weird. I think that that's one of the things we just learned from a Nick Saban Alabama team is they're always in it. People always have that validation for them. They're like Stone Cold Steve Austin in the '90s. You know, you can always just rely upon the glass to shatter and them to come out regardless of circumstance at the end. And you don't really believe that they aren't going to be there until um deep space nine starts airing or whatever it's on next <laughs> yeah. all right man well, that feels like a good spot to end it you probably got work to do so i'll let
0: you get on with your day thank you for for coming on the podcast it was good to catch up
1: yeah man no problem happy to be here
0: we'll be back next week with another podcast in the meantime keep reading hailvarsity.com. make sure you're following brady on twitter make sure you're reading all this stuff on hail varsity go to hailvarsity.com. Use use promo code varsity Make sure you're signed up for everything. You get premium content in the magazine. You get all of the Husker stuff that you could possibly want to read across multiple sports, not just football. The team does really good work over there. Like I said, follow Brady. Um, we've got a network of podcasts. This is not the only one that you can listen to your favorite Hale Varsity people. I'm not your favorite Hale Varsity person. Uh, I know that. Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin have the Mind Your Own podcast. Brandon Vogel has I80 Preview. And then Jacob Padilla and Jacob Bigelow have their own basketball podcast. Make sure you're listening to that every week. Shouts to you guys for listening to this every week. Shouts to Brady again for coming on. Shouts to Cam uh, for producing this episode every week. And we will be back next week. Thanks, guys. A at Media Production.